Hi, we're Chelsea and Michael. And this is the Coffee with Creators podcast. Think of it as hanging out with your buddies as we chat about content creation, social media, and life in general as creatives. So grab your favorite drink and welcome to our scrappy little podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet again another episode of Coffee with Creators. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Chelsea. I'm doing great. I'm very excited because uh, we have a guest today that I'm a big fan of his work. I know. You're fanboying over here, like sweating and blushing. And I was just telling our guest this morning, I was uh, um, earlier, I was saying, oh, this is very casual. This is, you know, just like two friends hanging out in a coffee shop. And then someone walks in and be like, hey, can I sit down? And I'm like, yeah, sure. But here I am just mildly panicking. Like, yeah, yeah. except the guest that walked in on our coffee shop meeting was someone who Michael is a big fan of. And so now he's like all flustered and he can't talk. So yeah. Anyways, (laughs) we do have a very special guest and I am also excited um, to kind of get to know him a little more and ask him Mm -hmm. some questions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Before we move on, though. Uh, I would like to say thank you to all the people who have been listening to us so far because yes. last episode was Landon by the Way's episode, right? Mm-hmm. It broke records for us. It really did. <laughs> like over, what, what, last time I looked, it was like 500 listens in three days. In three which days. usually does it's, not happen for us. It never happens. Like the most listens we've had was the first episode that we ever published. And that was like, what, back in April? Yeah. And that makes sense, right? Like people who are just discovering us would start listening to the very first episode. That, mm-hmm. That's why it's getting a lot of the, those those views or listens. Mm-hmm. But this one was just like, it, it's like, um, it's like, the, it, it's like winning the lottery. It's just, it was see very the numbers. popular. Yeah, he was very popular. Very and he popular. Was so awesome. So I just wanted to say thank you. And Chelsea and I kind of shot ourselves in the foot because we have guests <laughs> every week. Which is a good thing. It's a good it thing and good. a bad thing. Yeah. It and wasn't actually explain... our plan, but it's definitely good. I mean, yeah. I like it. So I like it, especially now. Like our guest today, it's. Uh, I was kind of hoping that he would come in later, so I can prepare myself a little bit more. But you know, I it's he's here, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna he's say here. no to that. So it's um. Bef- uh, I'm just gonna introduce him. His name is Eric, and he runs a YouTube channel. Um, called Loom Shot, and before before I welcome him him in, I'll just talk about really briefly how I discovered him. And there's one person that I follow, and I think you follow this person too, Chelsea on Instagram. His name is Captain Kirk. Lucas. Yes, I love Captain and, Kirk. Yeah, he's very much into um, EDC, you know, watches, knives, and one of his photos caught my attention. I'm like, that watch is, I, I need that watch. And I obviously did some detective work, and then I saw that it was this account called Loomshot that modded this watch. So I clicked on his account, and I'm like, holy moly, how did I not discover this account? And so I spent the entire day, I mean, not literally, but pretty much. It was all day. Yeah, all day, pretty much. I was just, I mean, ogling at these watches. Then I discovered this YouTube channel, and I'm like, how do I not know this person? But Anyway, uh, I'll just welcome in, him in. This, uh, welcome Eric or Loomshot to this scrappy little podcast. Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, how are you guys doing? Thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. Um, I didn't expect Michael to be uh, this much of a fanboy, but I'm not, He's I'm panicking. Not kind of, He's low-key freaking out. I'm not quite used out. to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed, but, you know, I got to be honest, right? So, yeah. yeah. I love your work, man. So thank you for... Thank you for being here, for, for, for finding the time. And you are in New York, correct? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah. So um, what time is it right now? It is he's, around noon right now. He's the okay. same time zone as me. Oh, that's right. Because, you know, Michael doesn't know geography. It's okay. That's fine. <laughs> so how I discovered Eric was through Peter McKinnon's video. I think you did a watch for Peter. And oh, yeah. then, then he did a video about it. And that's how I saw you. And then Michael was like, I just discovered Loomshot or Eric from Loomshot. I'm like, I saw that guy like months ago. I was like, yeah, he does great watches. Great. Actually, I love your camera work. I am such uh, a fan you. of like those low detailed shots that you get. It's incredible. Like I can't even do anything that good. So it's way to go. Bravo. Do, thank what you, do, what thank do you, you use for those? What do you oh, use for those, Eric? So it was actually quite funny. Um, 
I started with the Panasonic G80 or G85, depending mm-hmm. on where you're from. And then I slowly upgraded to the GH5. So it's either one of those two cameras that I used um, awesome. for most of the build videos. And recently I got some new gear that I'm really excited about to start using. But um, yeah, it's primarily the Panasonic's with the Micro Four Thirds sensor. And then you use a, a macro lens or an... A... Yeah, I use the 12 to 35 for mm-hmm. wider talking headshots and other wider shots. And I use the Olympus 100 millimeter macro for those close-up shots. Those close-up shots, man, they're like... Yeah, they're incredible. I was going to ask if it was a 100 millimeter macro because those do produce incredible close-up it's shots. It's so crazy, yeah. I know, okay, so Okay, good. before we get so deep into like, this I know, we could talk, go on about the gear I know, forever. I know, Chelsea and I are trying to avoid this because we're like, you know, not everyone is interested in it, but obviously Chelsea and I are just like kind of geeks when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, So, Eric, sure. can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, how you started, what inspired you, and basically your journey um, through this whole crazy adventure. Yeah, um, so I think I got into watches after being into the EDC hobby and custom knives. I think everything falls within the same, the same category. So if you're into one thing, you inevitably get introduced to other things. Mm-hmm. And so I was starting to phase out of knives and stuff, but the EDC guys always had their pocket thumbs and whatever gear they were carrying that day. And I've always seen them with a Panerai or a Samariner. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really into watches at the time, but I was constantly being exposed to these things that one day I just told myself, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna work my way to try to get a Samariner. Cause it was the first watch that I truly found to be attractive that I had to take a second look at. It wasn't mm-hmm. just another watch. It was just something that I want to know more about. And so after I got out of knives, it was just a natural progression into watches. And um, I realized there was no one around me that actually liked watches, which was kind of sad. So I couldn't really (laughs) talk about it or really enjoy the hobby to its fullest. Mm -hmm. And forums and stuff are fun, but videos are always more entertaining for me personally. And so Mm -hmm. I've always made videos about whatever hobby I was in, actually. And... um, So YouTube was just um, one of those things that I always did. Okay, I'm into watches now. I might as well make a video on it. And um, yeah, starting there, I just constantly uploaded videos as a way for me to interact with people in the community, like indirectly. And Mm -hmm. eventually, as a small audience grew, I had a lot of fun just talking to people and meeting people. And that's where I am right now, kind (laughs) of. That's so cool. How long ago was this when you started? I got into watches, I'd say, the freshman year when I was in college. So around five years ago now. Okay. Oh, wow. So have you always known how to, so I guess basically what I'm trying to say, how did you learn how to modify the watches? Like oh, the way you do, like how do you build them? Um. So whatever hobby I was in, I've always been a hands-on type of guy where I just wanted to get more involved than just simply collecting or carrying. Mm -hmm. And so I really like making things. And so watchmaking was one of those things that I just read up on and I thought it was super cool. But at the time there were no resources online and there were nobody modifying watches. And so I was struggling to find any type of help for me to start doing this, but there Mm -hmm. were no modding groups on Facebook or YouTube pages on it. And so I had to go to the library or go on, on Amazon and get a book on watchmaking. And it was pretty intense. Wow. Cool. It was I pretty intense um, to just figure out how to, I just wanted to do simple things, but I had to learn from the beginning because there were no resources to just learn those individual things. That's how I kind of learned how to do it. And, um, since I found nobody on YouTube or anyone making content on this, I figured if I wanted to see this, I'm pretty sure there would be at least one other person that would be interested in seeing this too. So I just started to film it. You don't That's realize so you don't realize how much that resonated with me that you just said, because that's what Chelsea and I are doing with the podcast is because yeah. we when we started this podcast, we were both wishing that when we started our 
journeys as content creators that we had someone that we could follow and just understand how it works you know the ins and outs like the 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 pitfalls that we might you might face or something we were just guessing and like you like there were no books or anything out there there's no tutorials like so we just started we literally just like okay let's let's figure this one out and let's share the journey and so i appreciate your journey i appreciate that story because it means it just comes from a different place, I guess. And it's not just, oh, I want to be famous or I want to, you know, although those things may come along the way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Maybe. Like, like uh, yeah, yeah. Or you earn some money. You earn, who doesn't want to earn a good living doing yeah, something course. that they love, right? Of course. So, yeah, that's, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that story. Oh, that's, no, it's, it's amazing, not. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, really cool. I often get asked that and just something that I find strange to think about these days like mm-hmm. out of nowhere, I just decided to try to take on watchmaking, which normally you'd have to go to school for, for several years. I just found a random book online and just started reading it and picking out little notes here and there, whatever I could use as simply mm-hmm. as possible for whatever I could understand in that book too. Cause sometimes right. some of those things are pretty complex and I didn't understand them and I didn't have any like professor to ask. It was just me and Google all the way. <laughs> Yeah. So is there, so when you didn't know something and you Google searched, was that helpful? Was there information out there or did you kind of just have to figure it out? So most of the things are very descriptive and instructional. It's kind of like a very complicated Ikea manual Mm -hmm. to put it really simply. No matter how many times you read it, sometimes it just doesn't go right. And so I figured that at some point I realized I just got to stop reading and just get into it. Mm-hmm. And so I would say I had thought I learned most of the things through books, but it was more from hands-on experience, I think. That's exactly how my photography journey was. Like I had books and I would, you know, read blog posts or I would read, you know, just forums or whatever on the internet. But when I really started to dive in and just do it for myself, that's when I really learned. So I think yeah. a lot of people can resonate with with that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's you kind of answered the question, but I'm just curious. The when you started this channel, did you ever think? I mean, because I just recently watched your your first video, and you were basically just you were talking about vintage watches, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is really cool. This is really interesting. But that's me, you know. I I am interested in this type of stuff. So that gave me the impression that you were always into watches. You were always, you had a master plan. Like, I'm going to make a YouTube channel, talk about watches or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, as I looked at your episodes, like, they very, they clearly evolved from talking about watches, from just strictly talking about watches to actually showing your process and how you modify these watches and, you know, all that stuff, which I had no idea that that's, that's what you do um, or that's how you do it. So my question is, did you ever think that your channel is going to run this course like this this way when you first started or did you just like all right let's let's talk about watches and we'll see where it goes yeah um so watchmaking was just a small part of my larger interest in watches in general and so i never expected watch modding or making to be the primary focus um it was just one of those segments that i thought that would be fun to incorporate once in a while like modding mondays or something like that but as I've continued to make those content, people started calling me that guy that makes those watches or mods those Seikos. And I realized there wasn't a YouTube channel on this and it was getting good views and high interaction. And I was really into it at the time and I still am, but it was just something new. And I guess everyone felt the same way. And so I wanted, as I kept learning more and doing it more, naturally i would film whatever i'm doing so it started just taking over and eventually it grew to a point where i couldn't really suppress it i guess yeah yeah and so (laughs) once start once people started um looking forward to those videos i kind of felt like an obligation for me to put out more content Mm -hmm. on that it's like if you guys want to see it and i enjoy making these type of content then there's no real reason for me not to upload them I see. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So it I tried like, to... It started to feel like a responsibility. 
yeah it, it felt like an, it felt like a job for me to do like to entertain you guys but i still try to make it about watches in general keeping up with the reviews and just other topics because i'm not just in it for the modding and making it's a large part of it for sure but i still enjoy reviewing watches and just experiencing it so it's kind of like a journey of my of my yeah journey into this hobby basically Okay, yeah. So it's it's still constantly evolving. Yeah. Yeah. So we can expect more from Eric then. Absolutely. I don't don't know where it's going to go either. (laughs) So I'm curious, which came first for you? Was did filmmaking come first, or your passion for modifying these watches? Um. So, I guess it's kind of strange. Um. So. Ever since I was in grade school, I've had some type of hobby, whatever grade schools could be into back then. Um, and I've always filmed myself for some reason or not um, to be uploaded on YouTube. And mm-hmm. it wasn't anything serious. It was literally like my mom's old Sony um, point and shoot or a handy cam. It was just a one cut wonder, just shoot it, not care about lighting or anything. And that's something I've always been... Um, into and really like doing regardless of what hobby it was it was particularly but nothing serious it was just I guess me just wanting to talk about it Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. that urge kept making me want to post these videos and actually figure out how to upload it to YouTube pre-2010 which was a completely different world (laughs) yeah um so that's always been there but I was never serious serious about it so I would have to say watches were definitely first when I really got into it. And filmmaking came after. I actually only really got into cameras and learning what F-stop, ISO, and shutter speed was, I think, just before the start of the pandemic, actually. That boggles my mind. Really? Chelsea, you, yeah. you've seen his videos, right? This is insane. No, that doesn't, I can't even like comprehend that because your videos are so good and I've been doing this forever and my videos are crap. (laughs) I know, like, so good. I feel, if my old cameras didn't have like the automatic mode, like automatic ISO, automatic Mm -hmm. shutter speed, (laughs) F-stop, I would not have been able to use any of it. I would have stuck to my iPhone or the old Sony Handycam and stuff like that. But that's so funny. Yeah, because of quarantine, I definitely learned how to use cameras at a much quicker rate. Mm-hmm. I definitely have to say that. I wouldn't have been able to figure out these things and how to edit properly without spending so much time at home. So I figured if I'm going to be inside all the time, I should try to be as productive as possible. And as I learned more about cameras, I, I found myself falling into another rabbit hole into of a hobby. And so I guess when you really like something and you're really into it, you'll inevitably grow really quickly, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Uh, I'm seeing a reoccurring theme here, Chelsea. Two things, actually. For one is Eric is discovering a lot of his, let's call it latent creative potential through just, you know, trying yeah and i think the first the first thing is you will discover a lot more and you're you will open up you know more of these like the these uh, creative outlets and and skills you will unlock them the more you try something new mm-hmm. but before you even get there eric's approach is always like i can read as much as i can i can try to do some research but without doing the actual work nothing's ever going to happen like whether it's whether it's like learning a, a camera or learning how to learning how to freaking make a watch <laughs> that Insane. just boggles my mind you know what i mean so i you know i just wanted to point that out for whoever's listening and chelsea and i get this question a lot like where do i start how do i start there's all these things that we feel that if we if we um have the right tools have the right support have the right resources then that's when we start mm-hmm. But from Eric's point of view, it seems like it's more, it's more of um, because there is a lack of it, because mm-hmm. there is a lack of equipment, a lack of resources, then I have to figure things out. And look at where it's, it's brought him. It's just amazing. It's incredible. You know? Yeah. It's, I think it's, a lot of our listeners need to hear that yes. because a lot of them, you know, like Michael said, they're like, 
I can't start because I don't have this. But listening to Eric, it's like he is so profound in these things that he does because he just does it. He just, yeah. the lack of information is the reason why he's so good at it, which is insane. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's so not good. an excuse. He didn't use it as an excuse. Yeah. Most people would. I would. It's oh, I, like, oh, I'm not going to do that because I don't know how, you yeah. know? But him, it's like, oh, I don't know how, so let's figure this one out. <laughs> and it's amazing. Yeah, I, that's very admirable, right? Like, I, I wish I had that trait. He's I mean, such a I'm good trying. guest. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> See, we're learning a lot about, you know, from you. We're learning about your journey, and then we're we're picking up new things from from the lessons that you've you've um, come across. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. So thank you for for sharing that. Um, yeah, of course. So I have a I, I have a little. I know we kind of talked about this already, but. The, the, this whole watch thing, it's a very particular niche, right? Like you said, it's its not like go, people go on YouTube and search, you know, modifying watches. Actually, you know what? Maybe people do because I have. It's just... I feel like people probably do. Just from looking at the amount of following and views that he has on YouTube, I feel like people do maybe search for that. Yes, because <laughs> I was very much interested in watches a long time ago, I think. When was the last time I was, okay, I worked for this, ooh, it's, I'd say almost like 10 years ago. And I would see all these, um, I was on that forum, uh, Watch You Seek. I'm sure you mm, know that forum, yeah. right? And I would always admire all these watches. And I'm like, how do I get those? Like, how do I, like, where do I buy this? That's the first thing I think about. <laughs> where do I buy this? And then everyone's like, oh, I modded it. I'm like, how the heck do you mod a watch? Yeah. And I tried, I actually tried searching. And they kept recommending like this one person, but this person is like overbooked and it's really expensive and all that stuff. I'm like, you know what? Um, maybe it's not for me. I'll just, you know, put that on the back burner basically. But it's all, one thing that I've always admired. And when I, that's why when I discovered your, your Instagram, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, I got to talk to this guy and <laughs> just see and figure out. And I saw your YouTube channel. I was just like geeking out. But anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm digressing. Chelsea's like looking at me. She's like, there you go again, Michael. But as start tapping since, my fake watch. I know. <laughs> since this is a very particular niche, can you tell me more about the real mo motivation? And I know you kind of talked about that, but what's the real motivation for you to, to create content? Like to create maybe not this particular content, but just what is it that inspires you to wake up the next day and keep doing what it is that you're doing? Um, I think... It's just my natural enjoyment or the enjoyment that I get out from making videos. Um, there, I don't feel a real sense of urgency. Like I know I'm not putting out as much content as I would like to, but I don't let that thought really take over my mind because I've come to a point where I've decided that I really prefer to have quality videos over just banging out as many videos as I can. And I know a lot of creators have to either sacrifice quality or quantity when they're deciding which route to go for because it's either you either put out videos on a more frequent basis or you work on a project but it takes longer for you to get out and after I did my first real edit or serious edit aside from just cutting and pasting clips together I found myself really enjoying my own video as strange that that might sound like I was just so proud of it like all of these cuts and all of these new techniques that I've learned online on how to use my cameras. And it was just a simple like joy and mm -hmm. that I get from making content. I think that's what drives me. I'm excited to put out videos. And when I upload a new video, it's I, I get, I'm in a good mood the whole day. And so Chelsea's smiling. It's no, definitely, it's definitely it. the, the desire <laughs> to just put yeah. out content regardless of what it's about and who's going to be watching it, if anybody's watching at all. I just enjoy the process of filming, editing, and just the interaction with any type of audience is always fun and it's definitely a plus, but I think it's more driven from my own personal desires. That's that's, an, that's a in, beautiful answer. <laughs> I know. It's an incredible mindset to have, too, as a content creator. Because if you're creating just for the sheer like enjoyment out of it, I feel like you are going to go so far. Because you're not just so caught up on trying to make money or trying to like do what pleases others. If you're doing it just for your own enjoyment, I feel like you're it's just going to carry you out 
you know, so super far. So I yeah. love that answer. It, yeah, because it's like it started to become. Um, I never thought about this, Chelsea. I don't know if you've you've thought about this, but it, I guess it never really occurred to me until Eric said that. But content creation is basically another way of it's it's a creative expression. Mm-hmm. But it's been commercialized so much that we feel like if you're a content creator, then you're out for the money, Mm -hmm. right? That you're out for fame, you're, you know, all this, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, and I get that because I enjoy, like Eric, like as weird as it may sound, I enjoy my own content. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I think that's one of those things that... Yeah, it's so weird to think about, but... It is weird to think about. Just last night, I was watching some of my old videos and I'm like, they're not the best, but I enjoyed them Mm -hmm. because it was a form of creative expression. But I never knew how to explain that without sounding weird. So I'm glad you said that first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you know what to say. That's good. Okay, so Eric, um, it's... It's obvious that you've, you've your content has driven a lot of people to your to your channel and people like-minded people and maybe people who are just inspired by your type of work. Um, remember the expression, you know, starving artist. I don't know if you've heard of that expression. It's it's very common for, for yeah. creators and artists to feel that because it's like I'm doing it for the art. Do you feel that in today's world, um, it's possible for a creative individual? to earn a living while they're doing something that they absolutely love and or find fulfilling? Um, as cheesy as it might sound, um, I think if you really want to turn your hobby or your passion into a sustainable living, you have to really just hustle, I guess. Hustle and try to maximize revenue as much as possible while being realistic about it as well. Because some things just won't work out and um, not saying that your passion can't be turned into a living, just the way that you go about doing it might not be the best way. And so I think you really have to think about it because, yes, if you just enjoy making content, that you just want to keep on putting out videos, you're still gonna, you're not going to really enjoy it as much if you can't make a sustainable living through it. And so... I guess for you to truly enjoy going that route instead of going to a standard nine to five or nine to four job is to really think it through and to find a way to really maximize your revenue as much as possible, whether it's to AdSense or selling your own products or eventually getting sponsors. I think you really have to. I'm on it. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I, think Siri, okay. Siri just turned on. I think Siri just turned on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you just have to be realistic about it and really mm-hmm. try to find how you can make this work. And it's definitely going to be hard, but I always felt that it's going to be so much better than going to a comfortable nine to five job that you hate. And so you're gonna be willing to put in the work, even if you don't know how to do it, you're, you might eventually, or hopefully you find it. Yeah. Him with him with his knowledge bomb answers, like I, right? I just love it. You you seem so intelligent and so knowledgeable about all of this stuff, and oh. all of it is true. And I feel like Michael and I have been trying to say that for months. That's and it. That's you just thing. like yeah. spilled it out for us. So thank <laughs> no, you. I'm not the best. This is the either. last. <laughs> this is the last episode of the Coffee with Creators. This is all We're you done. you guys need oh, to, no. to know. <laughs> I ruined it. No. No, that was. So we appreciate good. that, Eric. That, yeah, it's really good. It's. It comes from um, a perspective of ex- of experience. That's how it sounds like to me. You know, you, I know you're not an old man, but it's like I'm listening to a wise old man. <laughs> yeah, right? definitely no, wise. Definitely yeah. wise. That's how it feels like because a lot of, um, I mean, you know, I mentioned earlier that content creation has been commercialized so much mm-hmm. that you feel, I feel like a fake every time I create content, even though... It's mostly, honestly, it's mostly for my own enjoyment, mm-hmm. but because there's that pressure, that peer pressure, that responsibility that you that you know that that uh, that you mentioned earlier, to to entertain people, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a weird feeling. So it feels like I'm not really in it for the art. I'm just in it to um, to make money. But it also goes into what you just said, which is for you to sustain that, you need to make a living. 
out yeah. of it. And it's not impossible. You just have to be intel. Yeah, you just have to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. You have to figure it out. And you know, there's no one way of doing it. Obviously, there's so many different ways. And thank God for the internet, and thank God for technology that we can find different ways. But you're right. I think I needed to hear that. I hope a lot of people who are listening to this heard that as well, and yeah. you know, are learning from this. Um, this is very insightful, Eric. Thank you for yeah, sharing so that. But I, so good. I have, I have one more question. Yeah. So this is my last question for you. Um, if you, Eric, oops, sorry, that's my mic. If you, Eric, uh, if you're a, you were a particular watch, which watch would it be and why? Uh, this is probably the hardest question I've been asked. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I've never thought about that, and it's just so strange to think about it. Um, uh, I guess it would have to be the AP Royal Oak. Um, aside from all of its hype and popularity that it has these days, I think... I resonate with this watch so much because it's a very simple watch. It only has the time and date from a functional perspective. But if you really deep look deep into the details, there's tons of finishing work that goes into it. And there's if you look at it through like a loop or a microscope, it's quite impressive really. And so the fact that it, it's simple, but yet it doesn't, forgo any of the little details and the care to attention is something that I find really interesting. And that's the same work ethic that I try to put into my own watches is to keep the designs as simple and clean as possible, but you have to keep up with the quality and pay attention to every single little detail. I love that he said something is simple on the outside, but when you look deeper into it, because that's how I look at people. You know, like I try to look at people like not from the outside, but like in the inside of who they are. So that's really cool. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I think a lot of um, it's it's a one characteristic for, for people who like watches, right? Like because mm-hmm. you can ask maybe 90% of the populace, you know, what kind of watch they want. And they just want something that tells the time and looks nice. And then they find it weird when people who are into watches, they're like, why do you like my wife, for example? Like I got... <laughs> I got the Seiko and I have another one that looks kind of like the Seiko, but they're different, obviously. And she's like, why did you get one that looks the same? I'm like, they're not the same. <laughs> yeah, but you don't understand. Wife, I Michael's wife that. is his hardest critic. She always yes. gives him so much crap and I love it. Yes. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's man. not the same. But going back to Eric's point, it's all about the details. It's how you got to that look, that the, the finish, the things that normally... Like Chelsea, why do we love Grove made products so much? It's the the little the details that they detail. put. Yeah, the things that people won't even see. Yeah. On the first go, right? Like it's like, oh, when you turn it over and you're like, oh, they have a, a logo here, and the way mm-hmm. they they did this this part, this this finish is nice. That's the that's same why reason. Their products, yeah. That's the same reason why I love Peak Design is because you can look at their mm-hmm. bag. It looks really simple, but when you really start looking into, like the teeny tiny details that just like down to like the silliest things, you know, it's like, oh, I love it. I think that's why I love Peak Design so much. And that's mm-hmm. why I continue to pour all of my hard-earned money into these bags, even <laughs> though I don't need them. I'm like, I just love their attention to detail. Like someone spent their, you know, so much time and energy like putting into this, like I'm here, take my money, just take it. Right. So, yeah. so I think I think that's it, right? Like, do, do you both agree that it's the passion behind it? Like Absolutely. Putting all these effort into that one thing that no one's even going to notice and, mm-hmm. unless they really pay attention. It's that that passion for for creating something really nice. Mm-hmm. That's what's very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. To us. Right? Absolutely. There you go. So, Eric, my last question, uh, what advice can you give to our listeners when it comes to content creation? Oh, I don't think I'm in a position to give any advice, but I guess (laughs) if I had to say something, I know tons of people and friends and people around me, they always say, oh, I want to start YouTube, but I'm not quite ready yet. I don't have the camera, I can't afford the camera, I can't afford the lighting, I don't know, I didn't structure my videos yet. 
And I always tell them to just start, and everybody tends to say that these days, but it's really true. Like, you just have to put yourself out there and just start regardless of what gear or what position you're in right now. If you start, then you'll be able to figure out what you actually need and what you don't really need, like in terms of camera grid especially. Um, I think starting out will help you accelerate figuring out what you need to work on and how to structure your content a lot easier. Absolutely. Yes. Great advice. Yeah. I don't I don't know why you said that you're not in a position because I think I you're in the best position that to was, actually talk about that I, type of I stuff. Think that was the best advice. <laughs> I think it's because I've always compared myself to, well, not really compare it in a bad way, but I really look up to the content creators who are into filmmaking on YouTube and such. Not so much the watch people on YouTube. And I think mm -hmm. by doing so, it actually increased or raised my expectations for videos yeah. and so the quality level for me is i'm not comparing myself or the quality of my videos to another watch reviewer online it's me the guy that doesn't know anything about cameras suddenly trying to make content that's as good as a guy like peter mckinnon or daniel schiffer like they're making incredible videos and suddenly i'm trying to get up to that level and so I think that's how I kind of kickstarted my learning or my knowledge in this new field that I was completely lost in is I was looking up to guys who were already, I guess, arguably the best at it. Mm -hmm. I always comparing myself to people within the same field as me. So I think that's something that I'm glad that I took on. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very lucky approach that i took i would i would say it's a very admirable trait because most people myself included would suffer from paralysis over what is it analysis or something mm -hmm. like that you overanalyze something right like yeah. if you because we always compare ourselves to our the people that we aspire to be mm -hmm. and i think the only person that we should really compare ourselves to is the person that we were yesterday mm -hmm. And Eric, you guys should watch his YouTube videos because I know he says is incredible. He's learning, and I don't know, man. Like I'd say you're on the right track, and <laughs> I I'd feel like say you've you're... been doing it forever. And then to hear yeah. that you started in April is like poof. Yeah, it's you're on the right track, yeah. and you are farther along than what you probably believe that you know <laughs> yourself. So, bro, you had Peter McKinnon reach out. And oh, you you collabed with him. I think <laughs> that, you are you're right was, on track. Uh, that was a really strange uh, morning. I still remember it because at the time I was Can you tell us more I, about it? I was binge watching Peter's content and all those. I I recently well, at that time that's when I started learning and discovering the YouTube content creators about filmmaking. So Peter McKinnon, Maddie Poya, um, Daniel Schiffer. Um, all of these really just super cool guys. And I've been, I literally watched one of Peter's video and I went to get some coffee, I think. And when I came back to my desk, I saw an Instagram DM from Peter McKinnon. And um, did you poop your pants a little? I would have. I, I think a little lot. I was getting like chills down my back and. I told myself to collect myself. Don't freak out. Don't yeah. don't like message him. Don't <laughs> message him with everything in all caps. But I think something broke loose, and I just said, <laughs> I, I went all caps. Just start screaming. I just said, no way. This is Peter McKinnon. Like I was literally just watching your video, and <laughs> it, it was a fanboy moment for sure. But oh, he, yeah. it was kind of crazy that someone that. I've recently discovered and I've fallen in love with his content. Suddenly just reached out to a guy with far less followers and I had no idea he would know me. And I the fact that he found me was more interesting than him actually messaging me. Because it's such a niche thing that I do. But the fact that I've I've been able to somehow get the attention of Peter McKinnon and all these other, other content creators was just so interesting. Yeah, that's cool. And that's the thing, though. That's also the thing. Like, 
the fact that you made content like that's the only way anyone would ever discover you yeah so people who who have a lot to share like i would feel very very sad eric if that day that you decided to make content and you said you know what no one wants to watch us and decided to not make content <laughs> i'm very happy you made content because i'm like right? i'm a huge fan of your work so oh, kudos you. to you thank good you. job yes. good job for doing that yeah good job for sure all right eric well this is um obviously you uh, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are huge fans of, of yours and i think it would be a big disservice to them if we don't at least talk about a little bit more in detail about watches so we asked <laughs> some of the listeners yeah so we asked yeah. some of the listeners to send in some questions and i think you received some of these questions so we chose a, a couple because mm -hmm. we can't go through all of them we learned a couple of um lessons from our other guests Last that, week. yeah we can't pepper them with questions because it's too gonna, much <laughs> i feel bad i for love them. that episode <laughs> okay yeah it was all questions pretty much yeah but landon was so so nice oh, he's like, oh, it's fine. i was learning so yeah. much from landon <laughs> right good. yeah good 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 so we'll start with a couple of questions and i think chelsea can you can start this kick this thing off so Eric, Elves of Santa's Village says, Hi Loom, love your work. Many of your videos center around mods. Will you ever do restoration videos? Oh, um, I've been thinking about restoration because restoration is in the watchmaking um, scene, I guess. It's the highest level of work. It's the, I guess, only what the, the experts do or the people who are really into or really professional or no not really professional but super skilled in the field i guess that's like the mm -hmm. top of the line work and so it's not super easy to do even for me i'm still learning how to do some of these things and what little i can do usually takes three to five times longer than my usual watchmaking and so it's gotcha. super enjoyable and it's a very long process and i enjoy learning about it but i think if i were to film as i was doing it it would take like 10 hours for me to film and probably end up being an hour video because the process itself is super labor intensive mm -hmm. and so it might make for a super long video and i'm not really sure if that's something that people would want to see maybe i'm not too sure so it might be yeah. something i'll take on in the future but i think with restoration work it's more of a it's inevitably something that's going to be long so i don't know yeah. if it would fit the the style of content that i'm making right now and the style of content that youtube is going through these days i think i think it's geared more towards the shorter concise yeah. videos mm -hmm. and so maybe yeah. if things change in the future then i would consider it but right now it just seems like something that's very difficult for me to do effectively i guess gotcha good answer yeah yeah that's awesome. Okay. So next question is from Big Dot Boy Watches. What was the watch that got you into watches and what is your favorite watch right now? So the watch that got me into it would have to be the Submariner since I was in the EDC hobby before watches. And so seeing it all the time, I just fell in love with the design and um, the watch that I set myself out to get was actually that watch and I eventually did get it gratefully um but um my favorite watch right now would be the AP Royal Oak as I've said before because it yeah. just resonates yeah. with me mm -hmm. that's cool yeah I like that Chelsea's probably like I know I <laughs> don't even own like a real watch like the watch I have is the Apple watch so it's yeah. still we still have same thought waves so it's, 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 it's it all works out there's yeah. something in common it's just we me have, being super geeky it. and nerdy about it it's fine i love it though i, I know it. i do too so just maddie says what are your feelings about swiss versus japanese made watches so i'm not really influenced by whether or not a watch is swiss made or japanese made or wherever it's made really um, I think there's a lot of unnecessary snobbery, unfortunately, in the watch hobby, as it is a luxury item in most cases that some people think that Swiss main is the only way to go. Everything else isn't as good. But if you really get into the hobby, you start to realize that there's incredible watches from 
a lot of countries, whether it's the Swiss made paddock or the Japanese made Grand Seiko or even the German made Lange, there's great watches in every single country, regardless of where you look. And so I think these labels are not really necessary and kind of really unnecessary at in the truest form. Because all I care about is the watch in the end. I don't really care where it came from. A good watch is a good watch. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to everything. Like good coffee is good coffee regardless of where it was roasted and brewed. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. That's kind of how <laughs> I feel about the labels. I love yeah. that you used coffee. <laughs> I know. Oh, Very yeah. nice. <laughs> I love coffee. Yeah, me too. See, another thing in common, Chelsea. I know. We don't just have watches in common because I know nothing about a watch. Other than you put it on your wrist and it tells time. And sometimes it has the little box for the date. That's all you need. That's all you need, exactly. It is. Okay. So next question is from Zainal. Apart from watchmaking, what's another hobby that you have? This is another hard question because I have so many things I'm into. And I realized that I need to, I guess, tone it down a bit. (laughs) Um, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Keep doing all the hobbies. Oh, exactly. Um, so something that I really enjoy doing these days, two things would be, um, one of them would be playing fingerstyle guitar, which is something I've been into ever since I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And I've just continued oh, wow. playing it. And I think that's one of the reasons why my fingers have become so dexterous is mm-hmm. just playing guitar and playing instruments in general just increases your finger muscles and whatever you do after that just be- seems to be a lot easier especially with watchmaking i've noticed um i think after playing guitar and these instruments for so long my hands developed their own strengths and coordination mm-hmm. that watchmaking wasn't as difficult as i had thought it to be not to sound arrogant but i right. I, I didn't have screws flying across the room and like screwdriver is just falling off my table and i figured if that wasn't happening that's a good sign like yeah i'm, I'm getting some sort of balance right and yeah. um something else that i got into recently or actually about a year and a half now i guess is leather craft it's oh, it's just okay. another way for me to make something i guess and that's why i've been drawn into it so much and I've been that been, is something I love. Yeah, I've been binge I watching love leather products. <laughs> been watch watching YouTube guys just making leather stuff, and it's just so interesting to hear. Just no audio, no talking, just the guy and his tools in the workshop cutting leather. Something so satisfying about it. It's like ASMR mm-hmm. to me. Oh, yeah. That's cool. yeah. <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. You're ambidextrous, right? Um. Are you? Yeah. I guess so. I didn't really notice it, but I really, I recently come to think about that too. I think I am ambidextrous. Okay. I don't really have a particular dominant hand. Like I have a hand that I prefer to use for certain things, but my mm-hmm. other hand gets used for other tasks as well. And so it's kind of weird. I think the fact that you don't really, I know. you know what I mean? Like if you say like, what, what hand do you use or whatever? I say the right hand, you know yeah. what I mean? Like my left like hand is like answer for me. rendered yeah. useless. This is, this is useless. This useless is useless like, hand. Yeah. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is just for decoration before, <laughs> yeah. because for you, that you, the fact that you can, you can use both of them, like I was watching one of your videos and I think you mentioned that and I'm like, that is crazy. Like such precision. You know what I mean? With both hands. My left hand would set everything on fire. Right. I do. I was just thinking that. Like when I watched those intricate, vi- like he was placing, I don't know, it's like a metal piece like onto something in the watch. And I'm like, I'm just shaking, like watching him do it. Like I, he was so like smooth and I'm like, no way. I couldn't I do it. I'm like sweating just watching I know, him. I know. My left hand is going crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. From... Chris Han, maybe Chris Han, uh, 12301, they say, what advice would you give to your young self when you started watch modding? Um, um, get rid of the powder-free latex gloves and just start using the finger condoms as quickly as possible. <laughs> I hated gotcha. the gloves. I hated the gloves, but for some reason... It just felt so weird to wear those finger condoms, and it just looked weird, so I didn't use it. Yeah, gotcha. but I've, but I eventually I've I just tried it out, and I realized why didn't I do this sooner? Because with gloves, your hands get so sweaty. 
and it really restricts your movement. And that's something that I wasn't used to. I didn't really like gloves because I'm used to my hand being able to just freely expand and being sweat free. Mm-hmm. And so having those little finger condoms, as weird as it might sound, and some people don't really think about it that much, but it means that your hands are completely free to do whatever you need them to be. You're not restricted. Mm-hmm. And so I think yeah, that cool. definitely helps me a lot in terms of like accuracy and keeping balance. If I had just thrown away the gloves a lot sooner, then I might have been a lot quicker in learning how to do some of these things. Yeah, because they're just covering the ones that make contact. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, that's all it is. And, and that's, I think I can get that. Like, that's, that's all you need, yeah. basically. So, do you need yeah. the gloves so you don't put fingerprints, like, on the watch parts? Or, yeah, like, and what so, is the purpose of the gloves? And so, so the gloves are to, one, to keep fingerprints off, as you said, because the, mm-hmm. our hands give off natural oils. Mm-hmm. And these oils, when they tend to get on parts... Over time, they can actually degrade the material or call, cause corrosion oh. to it. And since watches are usually sealed up and no one really takes a look at it, they're not really cleaned up after you seal it up. These natural oils could contaminate parts and lead to problems later on. And so mm-hmm. you would want to keep it as clean as possible. And one just for aesthetics, it doesn't really look that nice when there's a big fingerprint underneath your watch crystal. Yeah, I get that. Speaking of aesthetics, though, I, I I get what you mean about the the finger condoms looking weird. Yeah, I feel like it was weird. I feel like someone needs to design that, right? Like, <laughs> does it so. look weird? well? Like, then again, I guess that might also be weird. But I, I didn't saying, I like, didn't I even like know like what they were called, and so I I just went on Amazon. <laughs> I had to literally type, "Is it really called finger condom?" And then I typed <laughs> yeah. it, and it showed it just it showed finger condom, and so yeah. So that's the proper it's name. I think it might be called finger quats or finger cots, but majority of the people call it finger condoms, and they make sense. I yeah, mean, they make sense make that sense. they're called that way. Yeah, it makes sense. So it's not. <laughs> there's something wrong yeah. about it. It's just weird. I no, guess. exactly. We're just, just we're, we're just children here. It's just society <laughs> makes it weird. I guess. Yeah. And I'm Mike, just a child. Here. Michael I'm and I are children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I always <laughs> get comments on my videos about that. Like, they would just write finger condom. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's I think good. we have our last question, our final question for Eric. Um, this one is from ooh, Guillermo Guerrero Sagra. I think I said that right. Hopefully, I said that right. Sounds good. Wow. They said, or they asked, what things should we look out for? Oh, actually, I remember this question. So, this question was actually asked in a very particular way that was that would put you in a very Mm, uncomfortable spot basically what they're saying is like who should we avoid mm. right like who, who which provider should we avoid mm. but i know that's not who you are that's not all about what you what you are trying to bring to the table but instead let me rephrase that question then instead of asking who they should avoid when when looking for a provider that does the same thing as you why don't can you give us some tips or some things that you need to look out for when you're searching for a provider when you're searching for a watch um what do you call what do you call it modder i don't know what i don't uh, know i don't know what to call myself yeah i'm not really a watchmaker <laughs> i don't like to call myself a watchmaker because i didn't go to school for it mm-hmm. and so it's kind of respecting mm-hmm. the people who actually took the time to learn the practice right. and so mm-hmm. i'm just a guy that tinkers with watches mm-hmm. so like a so wa- what should watch, watch builder yeah. i've been saying watch builder I like that. I like the I like the ring. Yeah, that's, watch builder, cool. watch modder. Yeah, anything along those lines kind of work. Yeah. Okay. So, and, what, what do you think are the things that they should look out for when they're when they're searching for a new one or um, um, asking questions? Like, what questions should they ask? What mm-hmm. um, um, probably no certificates, right? Yeah. I don't know if there are, but <laughs> um, yeah, what should they be looking out for? I think with anything, like if you're gonna get your car serviced you would want to take it to a good dealership or a good repairman. And by and so to do so, you would look at reviews naturally. Even when picking okay. out what to get for dinner, you would look at the reviews on Seamless or something to get a gist of what the restaurant's like. And mm-hmm. so I always tell people to, regardless of if you go to me or not, I don't. I might not be the best provider for you. And I openly tell that to my clients because I unfortunately do have long wait times. And you might want want something done in two weeks, and I just physically can't do that. And so, 
one thing to look out for would be turnaround time, how fast you need it. And two would be to look out for the quality of work that you are expecting. Um, because okay. not all providers provide the same level of work, unfortunately. And this may or may not be reflected in the price, which is obviously an important factor for everyone. Um, prices are really important. And I occasionally I'll get asked why my prices are the way they are opposed to some other guy's prices. And I understand people try to look around for prices to get the best deal. And I, I, I totally get that. I'll go to different supermarkets just to find the cheapest pound of carrots or something. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes, especially with watches and some things, I feel that it's not really the best idea to get the cheapest. Because oh, yeah. I completely agree. Because yeah. it, it, it might be a reflection of quality. It might or may, might not. Like You might find a guy who does incredible work for a very great price, and that's the best of both worlds, really. But if something's too good to be true, it might not be what you're expecting in the end. And so it's oftentimes worth investing a little bit more money to get a product in the end that you like more. And I'm not trying to plug my own business or anything. This is with anything in life, really, mm-hmm. from what yeah. I've learned. Like, if you pay top dollar for something, you can either expect a good product or really good customer service, which is something that yes. I'm looking for. And that's something I pass over to my clients is look for the pricing and be careful of the really low prices because you might not be happy with what you get in return. And so definitely take a look at the prices, the turnaround time and reviews to see what kind of quality of work that the provider is putting out really. Solid advice. That's yes. that's solid advice. It's true though. Like anything that you value, I think you shouldn't really skimp on the price yeah. you know what i mean like or to be too worried i mean chelsea for example would you go would you, would you look for a group on for heart surgery no but you know <laughs> me michael i usually my husband always says chelsea goes to the store finds the most expensive thing and that's what she wants and that that is me yeah unfortunately <laughs> but how how often though has that disappointed you hardly hardly ever i mean ever, yeah probably sometimes it's you know i've paid a lot of money for something and it's not done what I needed it to, but it's more <laughs> often than not. I I get the most expensive thing and it's usually worth the money. So Yeah. For something like what Eric does, oh, like yeah. it's it's yeah. basically handcrafted, you know, all that stuff. It it requires a lot of skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't skip on the prices. If I would definitely pay you know I would expect to pay a lot mm-hmm. to, to 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 get something of value. You know what I mean? To for for watch, if I were to give and I know I, I have already contacted Eric about this. Um, I, I want him to work on a project in the near future. So um, awesome. I definitely want to work with Eric. So I'm excited for that. Well, one. now By I kind of want to watch. So Yes, you do, Chelsea. Oh, man. You need to watch. I need to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric. Well, to try not to try to keep this under two hours, <laughs> tell the ladies and gentlemen where they can find you. Yeah, um, you guys can find me on YouTube. It, the channel name is LoomShot, L-U-M-E, Shot. On Instagram at Loom underscore Shot. Facebook at LoomShot, I think, too. And so mm-hmm. it's all the same, basically. Facebook, okay. YouTube, Instagram. You oh, guys are not... When you find his account, you, you won't have any trouble. No, you're going to love yeah, it. it. You're going to love <laughs> it. Even if you're not a watch person like myself, like I still have so much appreciation for his YouTube channel because his filmmaking skills are incredible. And I love when you start your videos, you bring out like your notebooks with your drawings. Like, I just love that. I think that's so <laughs> yeah. cool. It's so awesome. You guys should watch it. Seriously. Yeah. Even his Check it Instagram. Out for sure. Thank you. Thank the you. The photography alone on his Instagram is like, I. I'll tell you this, Eric. I aspire to take photos like that right? of watches. Oh no! I'm like, I, I, I need to do that. Like, I, I want to practice. I don't know what that, I'm so. doing half the time. I'm still figuring know, out. Man. I'm still figuring <laughs> they out. They look pretty good. I'm still figuring out. <laughs> You're doing it. You're doing it. Whatever it is, it's it's working for you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you again for finding the time to chat with us. Absolutely. And I hope you had some fun. I really feel, honestly, like you brought a lot of value to this episode. And definitely. I've you know, written down some notes in my head of the things that you've said. And I try to express them right away. 
um, just because I know I'm going to forget it. But I think those points that you touched on earlier were very important that, you know, for a lot of people to, to hear. So thank you. Thank you for those. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And I've got to do more podcasts. It's a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Dude, you are more than welcome to come back. For sure. <laughs> we're going to have we're going to have Nicole ask you to come back for season two. Absolutely. Oh, so I'm down. Let me know. Sweet. <laughs> I'm excited. I want to yeah. have Eric back here. That's, That's awesome. Be so much fun. Yeah. Really? I'll, I'll for sure keep in touch too, Eric, because... Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Hit me I, up whenever you yeah. want. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. <laughs> so really quick, before we end this episode and we don't talk your ears off too much, um, I just want to remind everyone to rate and subscribe to Coffee with Creators if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Um, it really helps with the algorithm. And also, I wanted to let you guys know that our next episode will be with a, another very special guest. Um, they go by the Instagram handle Daily Setup Tech, and that is on the 8th of October, which I think is next Thursday or Friday. Thank you guys once again for hanging out with your coffee and pizza crew. Until next time, this is Chelsea. And this is Michael. Signing off. Bye. Bye.